So here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about it's about the who. I believe this is one of the most important decisions or, or topics or conversations that, that we can have as Christians in our day. When I mention about the who, I'm talking about hearing the voice of God in your life. See, the Word of God, which you need to hide in your heart, which you need to read every day, and I'm preaching to myself. Now, now today's sermon's not going to be about you. It's not going to, you know, but you can just kind of listen in because we're going to be preaching about other churches, not us, because we're pretty much perfect, so we don't have to worry about it. So, uh, but when you hear the voice of the Lord in your life, the Word of God tells you what to do, how to be honest, how to be faithful, tells us to be holy, to be like Christ, tells us how to be like Christ. But when you hear the voice of the Lord in your life, when He speaks to you, it's about the specific things that you need to do. The Word of God will tell you to be ready to give an answer to anyone that has a question of the faith that you have in you. But the voice of the Lord will tell you, speak to that person next to you in the grocery store line. There's a difference, and the Scripture tells us that my sheep know my voice. It's possible for all of God's people to not only hear the voice of the Lord, but know what He's saying. And I believe in our day and time, it's going to be essential that it's the small things. It's, it's when we're in prayer and the Lord inspires us to, to speak to someone or to get up and go talk to someone that we are obedient and we do it. I remember when I was a, a new Christian and, and I was out praying one day and there was a lady in our church with a couple of daughters. Her and her husband had had separated. He was a pastor, but he had had an affair, and, and they were separated. I'd never met him, and I was praying, and the Lord inspired me. He said, get up and go talk to him. So I was young, and you know, I, didn't, I just obeyed the Lord because I didn't know enough to argue with him at that time. Uh, but now I'd probably argue with him, but I got up and, and went. I went to this guy's office and never met him and walked in, and I told him who I was, and he said, I knew somebody was coming. That's what I was trying to leave. And, and we sat down and talked, and here I am, this young, novice Christian. And the only thing I asked him was what the Lord had spoke to my heart, is, how's your soul? And for 90 minutes, he just sat there and told me. I knew nothing. But evidently, he needed that. That's the... That's the significance of hearing the voice of the Lord. In this passage of scripture that we read in, in, in the book of Revelation, we're talking about the angel of the church in Laodicea. Laodicea is an interesting city. John knew this city. In fact, he knew all seven of the churches really well. Laodicea was actually formed in 250 BC uh, by Antiochus II, he, he was the one that he named it after his wife. Man, and it was a prosperous city. It was an amazing city. It, it was wealthy. It had everything that you would ever need. In fact, in 60 AD, there was a massive earthquake in Italy. And, and Laodicea was, 
was wrecked and other cities were wrecked. So Rome said, hey, why don't I send some funds and why don't I send some people to come help? And Laodicea said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of our own. I mean, how many cities would you know today if, if Washington, D.C. said, hey, I, uh, you know, uh, New Orleans, uh, do you want any money you know, after the hurricane? And they said, no, don't worry about it. We've got it covered. They were wealthy. They, they grew all their wealth off of, off of uh, wool, and they had a, a medicine that where, you know, they had this specific eye salve which helped the healing of the eyes. They had pretty much everything that anybody would ever want. And it's really amazing what, what the Lord speaks to this church. He says, these are the words of the amen. In other words, so be it. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So he's saying, these are the words that Jesus is speaking to the church. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like for Jesus to come down and talk to you every day and say, hey, here's what I want you to do today? Wouldn't that be great? Would it be great if God gave us a to-do list every day? Maybe not. Is what Jesus said to him. He, said, he says, I know your deeds. Deeds are works or actions or thoughts and tensions. It's, he says, I know the deeds that, that you're neither hot or cold nor hot, and I wish you were one or the other. And, and a lot of people looked at that and said, you know, that God would rather have us really on fire for him or way away from him. And that's not really what he's talking about because, because Laodicea had pretty much everything except a natural water source. They had to build an aqueduct that was almost six miles long to bring their water to the city. It's incredible. If you've ever been to Rome, some of those aqueducts are still there. It's incredible, uh, the architectural uh, genius that the, that the Romans had. But they built this almost six-mile aqueduct, and when the water first started out, it was nice and cold. But after six miles of being in the sun, by the time it got down to Laodicea, it wasn't hot because you could do something with hot water. There's a lot of things you can do with hot water. There's a lot of things you can do with cold water. But by the time it got to the city, it was tepid and smelled bad. You ever had smelled bad water? I know you're saying, I just all have to do is turn on my faucet. I get it. Um, that's because that's with, or I have noticed this about Orlando water. Every other day, it just smells kind of different. I'm not offending anybody, am I? Okay. Uh, it's a lot better than Los Angeles water, where you can see stuff floating in it. So. Uh, so here's what Jesus is saying. He says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot or cold. And he was comparing it to something that they had. And he said, by the time this water gets to you, it's just kind of tepid. It's just sickening. And, and when you taste it, it's terrible. He said, I, want, I would rather you to be hot water so I could use you for something. I'd rather you be cold water that I could use you for something. But so because you're lukewarm, you're not hot nor cold. You're just kind of like there. He says, I, I'm just going to kind of spit you out. You ever had a, a just take a drink of water and it was so nasty, you just went, blah. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, you're water, but, but you're not really good for much. He said, you say I am rich. See, now look at this. You say. You say. This is what, this is what Jesus is talking to the church. Says, you say, you're, you're telling me that you're rich and, you're, you're, and you have no need of nothing. 
you don't have anything, but you don't realize that you're wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. And every single one of those words, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked, are accusations against the things that they believed that were prominent in their life. The voices that they were listening to in their life, Jesus was saying, you say that you're rich, but you're wretched. You say that you have need of nothing, but you're really pitiful. You say that you have a lot of wealth, but you're really poor. You say that you have this great eye salve that can heal everything, and, you're, and, and, and yet you're blind. And you say that you have a lot of wool, that you are prosperous in this area, and yet you're naked. Jesus is looking at them and saying, listen, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the things of this life, and you're not focusing on me. He said, I counseled you. I I love that word, counsel. That means he gave them advice. You know the great thing about advice? Everybody has some. You know what the other great thing about advice is? You don't have to take it. Jesus is saying this. He said, listen, I'm counseling you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. He says, you're saying you're rich, but if you want real riches, you need to buy gold from me. And he said, now wait a minute, I thought that salvation was free. And salvation is free, but being like Jesus will cost you. You didn't pay anything for the cross of Christ and the the grace that has been bestowed upon you, but if you try to live a holy, consecrated life, it will cost you. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. How many have discovered that being a Christian requires that we sacrifice some of the things that we want to do, that this flesh wants to do, that we get out beyond ourselves and become a passionate follower of Christ? Paul said it this way, I crucify myself daily, every day. And Jesus is looking at, at the church in Laodicea. And by the way, th- this, this letter to Laodicea is one with great promise and hope. We're going to get there. He's saying, listen, here's what I counsel you to do. Buy from me. Invest in me. If you really want true wealth and riches, do what I want you to do. Follow me and I will give you great riches. He said, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. That white rose always refers to righteousness. In other words, if you live a righteous life, an eye salve for your eyes so you can see, that you can begin to see with your spiritual eyes, that you can begin to to focus on what Christ sees and that, that your heart will beat in rhythm with Christ. And he is, he's looking at the church and he's saying, your focus is on the wrong thing. Then he says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. What is he saying? He's saying, church in Laodicea, I'm not browbeating you. I'm not getting on to you. I'm not not telling you that you're evil and mean and austere and that you hate me. He's saying, I love you. I care for you. You're amazing. I know your deeds. I know your heart. And I want you to have the best in this life, the best that you can have in this life. And and I want you to understand that it's not where your mind is today, but it's following me. It's not about the things of this world. It's about a relationship with me. He said, I love you and I care for you. So be earnest and change your heart. And here's here's where I want to go. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. You know, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of things that will knock on the door of your life, on the door of your heart. Culture is constantly knocking on the door of our life, trying to take our time, our energy, and everything about us. Television. Everything in this life tries, is vying for our time, our most precious commodity. But when somebody knocks on your door, it just lets you know that somebody's there. Look at the second half. If anyone hears my voice... See, it's not just enough to hear the knock. A knock tells you somebody's there. The voice tells you who it is. And Jesus is saying, if you hear the knock and you hear my voice and you're hearing my voice in, and you know who is at the door. See, it's more important to know who is at the door than, who, than, than that what is at the door. And this is where I really want to get today is when we focus on the who in our life, not what, not how, not why, but when we begin to focus on the who in our life, who is Lord, who is our, who is our God, who, is, who we are in relationship with, when we begin to focus on who, on the creator of the heavens and the earth and having that relationship with him, then everything else begins to work out. The problem with Laodicea was not that they didn't understand God, but they had failed to to focus on the who, on their relationship with him. Because Jesus says, if you open the door, I'm going to come in and have dinner with you. We're going to have close fellowship. And, 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 and if I will eat with them and they can eat with me. He said, if you want to have that relationship, not only hear the knock, but hear my voice. And then he says this, to the one who is victorious, to the one that hears the knock, hears my voice, opens the door and begins to have this relationship with me, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. If you look at the life of Jesus, he was always praying. He was always connected to the father and that's what gave him strength and power and victory in his life. Life. And that's the same with you and I. Jesus is saying if you want to be victorious, you've got to focus on the who, on the relationship that you have with me, hearing my voice and being obedient to my call. And you say, well, how does that matter? What does that matter in my life? I'm so glad you asked because I have a couple of things that... See, here's the thing. If we focus on, on what on what God's called us to do, it will wreck your faith. I mean, there's, I'll be honest, have you ever looked around our church and all the properties and all the buildings, and, and you've seen that, that all of the stuff that needs to get done? I mean, I think, I think Sam and I were talking just a couple, uh, a few days ago, and we were talking about all the stuff that need, needs to happen and all the things that need to be upgraded and all the things that we need to do. And we were focused on so much on the what that we almost had a heart attack. I think Sam was looking for the paddles. He was going to try to resuscitate me. Because so, we were looking at the what. It's like, wow, it's so big. It's so overwhelming. And, and that's what happens when God calls us, when God speaks into our life and he tells you what he wants you to do. You have to realize that, that God doesn't always tell us when he, when, when he tells us what. 
to do. He doesn't always give us all the details. If you look at Abraham, he said, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him who had promised. God said, Abraham, I know you're 99, and Sarah, I believe you're 90, and, but you're going to have a child. That's enough to give you a heart attack. And yet, look at what they did. If they would have focused on the what, what God said, you're going to have a child. You're 100 years old almost, Abraham, and you're going to have a child. Do you think that they might have panicked? Do you think they might have been upset? Do you think they might have thought it was too, too great for them, impossible for them? And by the way, if God is speaking to you about something, the things that God speaks to us about are always impossible for us because he won't tell us to do something that's within our capability. He, always, he said to go out into the world and, and make disciples. Do you realize that we can't make disciples? It's the Holy Spirit that does. He always gives us tasks that are overwhelming and that are impossible for us. And if we try to focus on the what and try to do it on our own, we can never accomplish it. But when we focus on the who called us and we, and we believe him and we, and we judge him as faithful, it doesn't matter what he's called us to because we're focused on the who. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So focus on the who. I'm going to say this really quick just because I, I don't know, it's just in my heart. If you're here today and you're struggling with something that you really feel like the Lord has asked you to do or you feel this, is, this passion in your heart and you just don't know how it's going to happen, quit focusing on what God has said and focus on who said it. Because He's able. We're not. He's not wanting us to go in our own strength. He's wanting us to go in the strength of Him. Don't focus on the what. Focus on the who. Victory comes through our relationship with Christ when we focus on Him. Hebrews 11, 11, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. I would say don't focus on the what. I would even say don't focus on the how. Don't focus on how you're going to get it done. Don't focus on, on, on how it's going to be accomplished. If you remember the story of, of, of David when he was just a lad and he went to go check on his brothers that were in, in a war. And when he got there, he, he, all of Israel was all huddled over here and, and the Philistines were over here. And then Goliath came out and was mocking God and mocking the Israelites. And here's David, 15, 16, 17 years old, just a young lad. And, and he makes the statement, who is this that's talking about our God? And he begins to talk, and he, and he goes to King Saul. And here's King Saul. If you remember, King Saul was about a foot taller than everybody else. He was tall. He would have been in the NBA today. He was, he was tall. And, 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 and yet here he is, king, and he's huddled over there with everybody else, hiding from Goliath. And, and David, David looks at him and says, Hey, I can take this guy. And this is what Saul tells him. Saul says, I'm looking at you and you're just a lad and this guy's been a, a warrior from his youth. You can't do it. I have judged you that you can't do it. I don't know how you're going to get it done. Can I, can I encourage you? When somebody has a negative word, ignore it. 
It's really easy to be negative. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen people that, that didn't like donuts because they have holes in them? I mean, I mean, you know, just the negative, the negative people, the, the Eeyore complex, the, you know, the, the, that's always down, that's always in despair, that's always casting doubt, that's always casting worry. But David, you know, and if David would have listened to Saul, then Goliath would have never been defeated. I'm so thankful that David said, I'm going to listen to who, not you. And that's what God wants us to do. When God speaks into your life and there's something in you, you don't know how he's going to do it. You, you know what he's going to do, but you don't know how he's going to accomplish it. If you'll focus on him, focus on the who and not the how, God will bring it to pass. It's never about what he's called you to. It's not even how. I, I look at the 12 spies and, and they all went over to the promised land and came back. And, and I love Joshua and Caleb. Because I, I just love their spirit. Because they came back, whoo, we can do it. They're only 12 feet tall. We'll just run right under them. You know, and, and it's just, you know, they were excited. They were excited. And then the 10, oh, we can't do it. We just can't do it. And it was that negative spirit that, that brought Israel down and caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. You think a negative spirit on how God is going to get something done. Why were they negative? Because they were focusing on what God had said and how they were going to do it. They weren't focused on who was going to do it. They thought that God said, go take the land, and they thought it was going to be them. And God said, I just want you to walk into the land and I'll take it for you. Because God never calls us to do something that he hasn't equipped us for or that he is not willing and able to prevail. If they would have believed then, they would have walked into, into the promised land. And if you look, when they did finally walk in 40 years later, Jericho fell because they were obedient to who, not how. So trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and, and not, not focus on, on what God is calling you to do. Don't even focus on how you're going to accomplish it. And I would even say this, don't even focus on why. Don't even focus on the why. Focus on the who. There, there are some times in your life when I remember the story of, of Joseph. Here's Joseph, a young lad, and, and the Lord gives him this great dream that his father and his brothers are all, all, all going to bow to him. And so if I was 17 and the Lord had given me that dream, you know what I would do? I would go tell my brothers, you're going to bow to me, brother. But, and I don't know if he was talking about it in, in a bragging way or not, but here's Joseph, and he goes, and he, and he tells his brothers, and his brothers get upset with him and throw him in a pit. They're even going to kill him, but I believe it was Reuben that said, let's not kill him, let's sell him and make a little profit. And they lied to their dad and said he was dead. And, and so here's Joseph. He has the dream. God tells him what he wants him to do. And then Joseph is sold into slavery. And then after that, he's lied to and thrown into prison. And I guarantee there were times in Joseph's life that he was wondering why God had allowed that to happen. But you know, when Joseph was just a lad and God gave him the dream, he was not equipped to fulfill that dream. A lot of the things that we walk through in this life are to prepare us 
for what God wants us to accomplish. And a lot of the lessons that we learn in life, a lot of the most significant lessons we learn in life are not from the great things in life where we're on the top of the mountain feeling fantastic. It's when we're down there in the valley with the pain and the sorrow. When David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Those weren't words that just came out of a poet's mouth. They were inspiration that came through life experience. Don't focus on the why. Psalm 73, Asaph, he was saying, my feet had almost slipped when I considered the prosperity of the wicked. And they were doing great. And he says, and here I am, and here's God's people. He said, man, and we're not doing well. We're struggling. We're doing all of this. And we're trying to do what's right. And, 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 the, and the wicked are just having a great time. And no matter what they do, it seems... You ever, you ever seen that disparity in your own life? But then, but then he says in Psalm 73, I believe it's 73, 17, he says this, Then I made myself, made my way to the house of the Lord and I understood their end. See, he was, he was wrestling with the why. Why is everything like this? Why does it look like the evil are prospering? Why does it look like dishonesty is the way to go? Why, why, why? But when he got connected with God and he got connected with who, then he understood the why. Don't allow what God's called you to. Don't even allow how it's going to be accomplished or why God is allowing situations in your life. If you'll focus on the who, everything else will be okay. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our praise team to come. The most powerful verse in that passage of Scripture we read in Revelation is when Jesus told the church, keep in mind, we, sometimes we read it, and I've heard it preached where God was really mad. He, he just didn't like the Laodiceans, and that's not what it says. He loved them. He cared for them, just like he cares for us. But they had allowed the what and the how and the why to interfere with their life, and, and they were focusing on the wrong things and not focusing on who had called them and, and who had blessed them and who wanted them to serve him. It's important to focus on who, the who in our life. Not, not, not what you're going through or why you're going through it or how you're going to get out of it, but who. And, and this is the most powerful promise. He said, to all that overcome, overcome what? Focusing on the what, focusing on the how, focusing on the why. To all that overcome, in other words, all those that focus on who, who called me, who delivered me, who, who set me free from the bondage of sin, who has called me from the darkness into light, who has blessed my life, that relationship with him, those that overcome, that build that relationship with him, I will allow them to sit on my throne, even as my father has allowed me to sit with him. That simply means those that overcome, the, those that focus on who are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. 
don't allow the what or the how or the why to affect you. But today, doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're going through, would you focus on who? Who called you? Who redeemed you? Who blessed you? Who lavished you with grace? And who is here today desiring with a great anticipation and desire in his heart for us to not only hear the knock on our heart's door, but understand it's his voice. And by the way, hearing the voice of the Lord, God will speak to you in a way you understand. It may not be the way he speaks to me or it may not be the way he speaks to someone else, but God will always speak to you in a way you understand. And when you hear that knock and you hear his voice and you open that door and invite him in to fellowship, you will overcome because you're doing and living in the who. And you will rule and reign with Christ.